Happy birthday, Journey. Happy birthday. Happy birthday. What a decade it's been, and we stand back and we say, wow, God, only you, God, could have done all of that. Uh, today, if you're a guest, is an interesting day because we're going to spend some time looking back over the last 10 years, and then we're going to spend a bit of time looking ahead to the next season. And so this is going to be uh, less sermony than uh, most Sundays are around here, and uh, sort of more vision casting and invitational and what might God have for all of us together uh, in the upcoming uh, years and, you know, another decade or so. And so you're going to find this almost impossible to believe with all of that. We have a ton of ground to cover, and so we're just going to jump right in. And I want to start by looking back over the decade that we've been together, many of us that have been together for that long as a church, some of the things that God's done that we're really grateful for. And I want to start with a real personal place about the incredible, incredible privilege uh, that it's been to be your pastor over these 10 years. It was Memorial Day 2005. I drove the rented moving truck that held the entirety of our family's stuff from Billings uh, to Bozeman. I was coming up over the Bozeman Pass, and as I started to drop down into the Gallatin Valley, I was sitting all alone in the cab of that truck. Dana was caravanning with me. Uh, she was in our minivan with our three very small kids at the time. One more uh, biological kid was uh, still, Jasmine was still growing in her belly. Just took a minivan back then to Hollis. We've moved on to like a maxi van uh, these days. Uh, and as I drove down the Gallatin Valley side of the Bozeman Pass, I'll never forget. I'll never forget how the Lord just struck me. I had tears streaming down. I'm glad that no one else was in the cab of that truck with me. Tears streaming down my face as I sensed the smile of the Lord on this new church that we knew was going to be called Journey and the startup as I caught a glimpse of how God, we thought, wanted to work through this new church in the valley. And I saw, as I dropped down the pass, clear as anything, the vision that God had for us to reach people who were far from God and grow them up in Christ, which, by the way, that was our very first mission statement as a church. And I was careening down the pass at 75 miles an hour because uh, the only way you can get a moving truck to go that fast is down a really steep hill, right? Put it in neutral while you're at it. And I said that day, as I was coming down the pass, as I've said several thousand times since then, God, if only, if only, God, you would bring all that you intend for journey to reality. God, would you please do that? And I want you to know that nearly every single day over the course of the past 10 years, with a very few exceptions here or there, I couldn't wait to get up in the morning and come to work. Just ask Dana, she'll tell you. I couldn't wait to roll up my sleeves for another day of reaching people who are far from God and growing them up in Jesus Christ. I just couldn't. And it's been an astounding privilege to get to be a part of what God's doing around here. And along the way, there's been these real distinct, uh, what I would call God-sized surprises to me. It was a God-sized surprise that just like a very few months after starting to talk publicly about launching a new church in Bozeman, being sent out from our mother church Harvest in Billings, we were building up what we called our launch team, which would be the people who would sort of help this thing get off the ground. And just a few months into that, there was about a hundred folks, a hundred people just a few months in who said, you know, like we're in. There were families from Billings. Did you know this? Families from Billings who quit jobs, pulled their kids out of schools and said, we're moving. It was a handful of families, but they said, like, we're going to be all in to help Journey start. And so they did. They quit their jobs, and they uprooted their lives, and they moved over here to help Journey get off the ground. People who were saying, we're in. People from Bozeman who were saying, 
we were in like a hundred of them. And that was a shock and surprise to me. Now, now some of them, when they heard things like, uh, I'm sorry, we're not going to use the King James Version of the Bible exclusively, and we are going to have a rock band lead our worship. Some of them, just as quickly as they said they were in, said, we're out, you know, when they heard some of those things. But it was still a great God-sized surprise and confirmation, I'd say, that God was up to something. Another great God-sized surprise was, did, did you know this? And God gets all the credit. God gets all the credit for this. But there were 500 people at Journey's grand opening service. There were 500 people at Journey's grand opening service. And you know, as we kind of were building up to that, I thought, okay, Lord, if there was like a few hundred people spread across the Saturday night and Sunday morning service, we'd just be thrilled about that. But then we showed up and there was 500. You could have knocked me over with a, a feather and I was scared to death. I was nervous and I was out of my league and I was so out of my league that I was sitting down in the, this is at the Heritage Christian School Gymnasium. That's where we had our grand opening services. And I was sitting down front on the front row and some nice people were visiting and like, wow, look at all these people. And I'm looking around and all of a sudden I felt like I was going to puke. I was so nervous. I'm looking around. The service hadn't started yet. It was just a few minutes before the band was getting cranked up. And I was like, oh my gosh. And you know how when you have to get sick to your stomach, you like panic? Right? You're like, where's this going to happen? It can't happen here. And so I bolted, literally, I bolted out the west door of that auditorium over there at Her the gymnasium at Heritage Christian, and I ran outside. And this is terribly embarrassing to me, and I'm sorry if it repulses you. And I was doubled over out back, literally dry heaving my guts out, like three minutes before church is supposed to start. And I got to preach. I'm like, what in the world? I, you know, I never started a church before. I've never been a lead pastor of anything thing before I was like oh god would you please just break us in easy and then there's 500 people I'm like oh my gosh the expectations all of a sudden just went way way up that was a god-sized surprise a god-sized surprise it also incidentally came at a cost that particular god-sized surprise it came at a cost a cost that I'd like to apologize to all of you for because you see, when churches grow at comfortable growth rates, like 1% to 2% a year or so, that, that's just normal. That's just natural. People get to know people a little bit and a little bit and a little bit at a time. Pastors get to know people who are coming in a little bit and a little bit and a little bit at a time at that kind of rate. But when churches grow at double-digit percentages for several years on end, like Journey was, there is no way for a church that grows at that rate to have any kind of sense of family feel to it. There just isn't. At that kind of growth rate, there isn't a way for me, any of our staff, any of our pastors to get to know all of you in the ways that we would really, really like to get to know. We're pastors for crying out loud. We love people and we love being in close relationship with people. And we haven't been able to do that at all. And I'm really, really sorry for that. I'm really, really sorry for many of you that I've been one of your pastors for maybe 10 years or eight years or five years or two years. And I'm so sorry that some of us have not even had the chance to meet. That bugs me more than you'd care to know. And I talk with the Lord about it with some regularity as I meet some of you in grocery store aisles or at sporting events or out in the lobby or when someone happens to turn on flashing multicolored lights in my rearview mirror, which has happened on more than one occasion over 10 years. And as an officer steps up to the window and says, well, hello, Pastor Brian, I just say, man, Lord, I sure wish this wasn't the first time I was meeting. Wow. 
So would you please just accept my and our apology for that? We mean that. And just to give you some sense of the numbers over 10 years, again, God gets all the credit. Worship gathering attendance on the weekend has increased over 10 years by 654%. 654% from grand opening to last weekend, as a matter of fact. Our budget has grown by 412%, and our staff was five in 2005. Today, it's 38 And the leadership team sat together and started to name some things over the past weeks that we praise and celebrate God for doing most across the life of Journey Church over this decade. And one thing that we said that sort of summed it all up was we said, would you just stand back and would you just think about and thank God for all of the life-changing, eternity-altering encounters with God that have been had across 10 years by people of all ages because that's what this is all about about give a watch to this if you would I grew up with a family that loved me and supported me as much as they could but when I got to high school their love and support just wasn't really enough in my eyes anymore and so I started to seek it in unhealthy ways we came to journey after a meeting with Brian Hopkins in the summer of 2005 uh, we had been in ministry for several years and we're really sold on the vision of Journey. A church that is creative, relevant, engages culture, and biblically sound has always been really important to us. And so we decided to go all in and have been here ever since. The music was awesome. I really connected with the sermons. I liked how real they were, how they uh, were not only biblical, but also it's just We could relate. I was very depressed. Um, I had some pretty bad anger issues. I turned to alcohol and I had hit rock bottom. And that was when Christ started showing up in my life almost on a daily basis. Uh, We first heard Brandon sing and then we heard uh, Brian speak and we walked out of the first service and we knew that God had brought us home and that he had plans for us. Having a place for our kids to serve and, and grow was important to us. Watching them build relationships and this being home to them, this being family to them, that's what's meant the most to me about Journey. We really liked the children's ministry, just felt comfortable with that. I went to my first Journey service, not ever intending to be at church again, but when I came to Journey for the first time, I cried for the entire service. I felt home and I felt whole. And when Brian asked us if we wanted to accept Jesus into our lives, with all my strength, I lifted myself up sobbing. And at that moment, he said, I see you. I get to worship this God who loves me more than I'm capable of understanding. And that makes me so excited. I was in college at the time when Journey started. And I was, I was super excited about that because Brian was my, my youth pastor growing up. And I, yeah, I knew what kind of man he was. And I was like, heck yeah, I want to be a part of that. I've really been able to grow and uh, build friendships and, and have mentors that will last a lifetime. To use the gifts that God has given me to help bring my friends and my classmates and just random strangers to God. I really like that about Journey. 
So one day I find myself in my car driving to church for the first time in almost two decades with all three of my kids in tow. So that sermon that I went to was Bob Schwan and he was talking about being all in with Jesus Christ. And that sermon was what really started my journey. One of my fondest memories of early journey is the Summer of Hope program, which we were introduced to there, powerfully moved by um, some of the testimonies we heard there. And so we knew we wanted to help out with that and wanted to host a child. And so we feel like because we came to Journey, we were able to meet our son, Steve, and we hosted him in 2009 and adopted him in 2012. I prayed like no other for God to help me through that and um, take that away, and he did. So I sit before you today, about a year and a half in the making of a completely sober mom and wife and friend, and my marriage has never been better. I'm a better mom, I'm a better wife, and a better friend. God was showing me his unending love for me in the darkest times of my life. Journey, those stories and hundreds and even thousands more just like that. That's why we do what we do. That's why Journey Church exists. That's why we challenge you week in and week out. Please don't just come to church. Please don't just come to church. But rather, would you go and would you live out every last thing that it means to be a follower of Jesus Christ? Please don't be like a half committed Christ follower. Don't even be like a 75% committed Christ follower. Don't even be a 95% committed follower of Jesus Christ. Would you be a 100% committed follower of Jesus Christ, all in, holding nothing back? Because life is really short. Eternity is really long. And we don't want anybody from the Gallatin Valley to spend eternity separated from God. Nobody. And as we're starting Journey, the team that worked so hard, the launch team to make that happen, prayed and hoped and dreamed and cast vision that we would be the kind of church that people who didn't know God would want to come to and that they would have the opportunity to meet Christ in these worship gatherings. But at that time, it was just a prayer. It was just a dream. We didn't have any idea that that would actually happen. But sure enough, it it did. At our very first service, actually, it happened. I won't forget as long as I live. Over the course of several front yard conversations with our neighbor, whom we had just moved in next to, he and I were out in the front yard over several weeks talking and getting to know each other. He was asking, of course, why we moved here, and I told him we came to start a church, and he asked when church was and where it was, and I told him, and he said, just like, I'm going to be there. I was like, whoa, that was easy. I'm going to be there. He sort of just invited himself, and he was a single dad. And he said, I have this little toddler daughter. Could I bring her along, please? I said, absolutely. We're going to have a fantastic kids ministry. Please bring her along. And sure enough, he showed up at our very first service in the old Chief Joseph gym. Now it's a part of Bozeman High School, right? Sort of been absorbed into the high school. That's where we met for our first two worship gatherings. And there was my neighbor at one of our, at our first service. It was at the invitation time, at the end of that gathering with his hand in the air declaring, I'm crossing the line of faith in Jesus Christ. And all of us were like, oh my gosh, that's it. That's it right there. It happened. The fulfillment of one of our most cherished prayers and dreams. And I want to spend just a moment talking about us being the kind of church that people who don't know God want to come back to. Because you see, back in 2005, when we started Journey, that was a relatively new idea in Bozeman. 
There were lots of churches all over the United States of America that had been operating that way, like Willow Creek, for example, in Chicago. They'd been doing that for 30 years when Journey started, but it was a relatively new idea here in Bozeman. And understand, there are fantastic, life-giving churches in our town all across our valley, churches doing really great ministry. And one of the compelling reasons we felt called by God to start this church was to be the kind of church that people who don't know God would actually want to show up at. We hoped and dreamed that we would be that kind of church, the kind of church where people who already knew God would bring some of the people in their lives who didn't yet know God because they really wanted to help them come to faith in God. And we prayed and we hoped and we dreamed of becoming that kind of church. Up until Journey showed up, the churches in Bozeman, the predominant church style in our area was for the edification of believers, the teaching and building up of those who already knew Christ. And then along came Journey and we came plowing new ground in Bozeman. And it wasn't necessarily easy ground to plow up back then. Some of you may recall that just as Journey was starting, as people were getting more and more excited about being part of the kind of church where people who didn't know God wanted to show up to, there were some in the Christian community who necessar didn't necessarily like that idea. They were convinced that church worship gatherings like this were for the edification of the already convinced Christ followers. And you know what we said? We said, God bless you. We love you. Way to go. And... We said, we think that God in all of his capacity can actually do two things inside of a worship gathering like this. We think that God can touch the heart of someone who has not yet crossed the line of faith in Jesus Christ, especially if we think about that intentionally every single time we gather. We also think that the person who has been walking with God for years and years can be challenged to new spiritual heights, especially if we think about that intentionally every time we gather. We think that God's big enough, strong enough, powerful enough to be able to pull that off, and we're casting that vision. And all of a sudden, someone in town, a blessed brother or sister, started circulating a document. I still have it on my computer. I found it just this week, and it was called The Mad Rush to Seeker-Sensitive worship, the mad rush to seeker-sensitive worship. And it was really quite critical of the kind of church we were trying to be and praying about becoming, and it made its way across the Christian community. It made its way into some of the email inboxes of some of Journey's founding members, and they had to do some business with God. They had to sort that out with the Lord. Can God really use a single worship gathering on Sundays to reach people who are living far from Him, as well as challenge those who have been walking with God for years and years? A bunch of people around Journey had to sort that out, and we're really glad they did sort that out. And you know what? God, in all of his supremacy and all of his power and all of his sovereignty and all of his love and all of his grace, you know what? He saw fit to choose to bring that dream, that vision, that prayer to fruition. And since Journey started 10 years ago, 4,312 people have told us they've crossed the line of faith in Jesus Christ in some ministry across Journey Church. 4,312. And we stand back and we praise God for them. We praise God for working like that. And here's what we say. We say, God, would you please trust us to help even more people cross the line of faith in Jesus Christ in coming years? That maybe it wouldn't take us a decade to get to another 4,312, but maybe it would take us five years to get to another 4,312. Praise God. Unbelievable. Unbelievable what God has chosen to do. And there's a whole bunch of things that as the leadership team sat around thinking about and thanking God for, that we just said, God, we're so grateful that you've done that in the life of journey. For example, all the ways that we've served our community over the years. 
For example, the way that the commons engages with our community. Did you know that the commons has seen 20,000 people come through the doors in the last 12 months who are not a part of our church? 20,000 people have been through these doors. And Doyle, uh, who is one of our, past, our congregational care pastor, he wears the hat of overseeing all those community events for the commons. And holy cow, he's got his hands full. And he does a fantastic job of using the commons to engage the community. And that's everything we hope this place would be and become. 20,000 people. And Doyle's helping make that happen. And that's why we built this building. That's why we use this building the way we use it. It's even why, and I know this is sticky for some of us, but why we even took the radical step of moving one of our church worship gatherings from Saturday night and moving it to Sunday night is because we think that it's part of the mission and purpose of the church of Jesus Christ to bless and serve the community we're a part of. And so we make this building available the way we do. We use it the way we do to bless and serve the community, to invest in the things that our community cares about. We're investing with them. We think the Global Leadership Summit and our partnership with Willow Creek is a fantastic thing because it helps raise our leadership IQ right here in Bozeman, Montana. We celebrate all of the adoptions, dozens and dozens, both internationally and domestically, kids who have found forever families because God gripped some with that passion. We celebrate and thank God for the ministry of journey called Rafa. Again and again, God's blown us away with how he's using our Rafa ministry, led by Peter Holmes and Susan Williams, a bunch of other leaders who they're multiplying the ministry into, equipping. God has worked fantastically bringing his healing to hundreds and hundreds of folks. And we're really delighted that Peter and Susan are going to be spending more of their time with us here in Bozeman. Missional communities is another thing we praise God for. This movement of groups focused on bringing the gospel to people who don't yet know Christ. And the impact that that's having in our neighborhoods all across our valley. Bob Schwann is doing a terrific job launching and leading that movement. A movement, by the way, which is an absolutely integral part to the future of our church. Base camp. How could we possibly overlook base camp? It's the third, by the way, it's the third largest ministry around Journey is base camp. It's Journey's ministry to kids and their families. And so here we sit. And right now, while we're comfortable in here, there's a whole bunch of kids over there with Chris Stuckey, a fantastic team that she's built over years. And they're not, please hear me, they're not doing anything close to the word childcare over there, okay? Can we just agree that they're not doing anything close to childcare? Like, you want to make my head pop, just call what happens in base camp childcare. No way. Because see, right now, volunteers alongside a few paid staff, you know what they're doing? They're introducing kids to Jesus Christ. They're introducing right now kids to Jesus Christ in base camp. Many of them are getting introduced to Jesus Christ for the very first time. And that team over there is challenging kids to take bold steps of faith in God right now while they're children. They don't have to wait until they're all grown up and they have jobs and they have families to do big things for God. They can do big things for God now and they're being challenged to that right over there. And over the course of 10 years, hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of kids have been introduced to Christ, have been challenged to take bold steps of faith in him at Journey's Base Camp Ministry. And that deserves a whole bunch of celebration. And we say thank you for all of you who pour into our kids. Talk about a crucial investment. That's it right there. Our staff, holy cow, hands down, 
Journey has the very finest church staff of any church anywhere. A remarkably gifted group of people who love to do the thing that God's called them to do. What a team. And then the thing we sort of wrapped up that uh, praise God time as a leadership team. You know what? We just said, we thank and praise God that our hearts, and this is you, that our hearts and our arms and our doors are open to everybody. That our hearts and our arms and our doors are open to everybody. Journey, you are a church where it doesn't matter who you are, where you've been, what you've done. God has not written anyone off and neither do we. You are welcome here and our hearts and our arms and our doors are wide open to you. And as we turn the page, we think that the Lord is asking us to go to some new places together. And so we're going to spend the rest of the time that we have together talking about some of those. The first one is this. And if you have that handout that you got when you came in, you could flip it over to the backside and you can just follow along. And don't just follow along, but actually pay attention to the Lord's prompting in your life, prompting in your spirit as we work through these things together. Because God might just nudge you to get involved because that's what this is. It's a challenge and an invitation to get off the bench and get involved in some of the things that we think God's asking and inviting us to do. The first one is we feel like God's asking us to increase our ownership in journey, right? To transform journey from a you to an our church, from a you to a we church. One of the things that's always bummed me out as journey's pastor and one of our leaders is that when I'm talking with someone who's an integral part of journey, they're talking about something cool that God's doing around journey and they use the word you or your rather than the word we or ours. It just bugs me to my core because see journey isn't my church. It's not the staff's church. It's our church, our church. And so there's this standing invitation for every single one of us to be an owner in the life of journey, an owner in the life of journey. And in that vein, one of the things that we've needed to do for a few years around here is reorganize our council. Our council serves as the hybrid role of board of directors and elders for Journey. They do really important work, working on budgetary issues, looking ahead to facility expansion, development of the commons, and so working closely with the leadership team on staff matters all fun, fall under the council's purview. And we're about to add several new members to the council very, very shortly which means in the coming weeks, you'll see some information about nominating new members to the council. By the way, men and women are welcome to serve on the council. And then we're gonna ask the partners, which is our take on church members, to vote on those shortly after those nominations are wrapped up. To sit on the council, you need to be a partner in good standing in journey or have your partnership, parentheses, membership in process. In process means that you're planning to attend the next partnership class, which is conveniently situated on October the 14th. And to vote for those new council members, you need to be a partner already. We feel strongly that we need to be giving particular time and attention to increasing everyone's ownership and journey in the months ahead. Something else is we need to increase our collective influence in and through journey. Because see, we think we're just barely scratching the surface of the potential kingdom impact we could be having out there in our world. We're gonna turn up the influence temperature around here, as well as challenge every single one of us to take up increasing measures of responsibility for the family business. And you're like, family business, what do you mean by that? Well, Jesus calls the church God's family business. 
That's what this is, bringing God's kingdom right here on planet earth through our ordinary everyday activities. It's the family of God business. And related to influence, I want you to know that we've recently reorganized our staff structure. We wanted to increase our entire staff's collective influence on the broader ministry of journey. We found over 10 years that some of the best and brightest ideas often got lost because of departmental boundaries. And we just stood back and said, that ought not be so. And so we're reorganizing our staff team so that all those voices get heard. Just the other day, I sat in on one of the newly reorganized meetings of one team in particular. And there's this incredibly sharp, very mature, godly young woman sitting at the head of the table talking about an issue in the life of our church that truly needs some attention in our organization. And I'm telling you the truth. Everybody around that table was all ears as she talked about what she was going to do to work on that issue, how she was inviting us to work on that with her. And I can't wait to see how our new staff structure is going to increase the collective influence across the life of Journey and our wider community. Something else that we're going to give time and attention to in the days ahead, and this will just ring like a bell, crystal clear for you, is increasing the sense of belonging to the Journey Church family. And we know this has been an issue for 10 years. I talked about it a few minutes ago. Because we're sick and tired of people walking into these doors, experiencing what God does in here, walking out those doors and saying this, man, I sure love what goes on around here, but it's really hard to get to know people. Have you heard that before? Have you said that before, maybe? And we just say, that ought not be so. And we're sorry that that's been the case around here for years. It's very, very regrettable. I take a whole bunch of responsibility for that, and we're going to work on that. We're going to invest in that. Because you see the vision that we have for Journey Church, it doesn't come from here, and it doesn't come from our staff just cooking up the latest, greatest thing. The vision for Journey, who we want to be and become, comes straight from Acts chapter 2 in the Bible at the birth of the first Christian church. That's where the heart of Journey Church comes from. Look at verse 42, starting in verse 42 of Acts 2. And all the believers devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship and to sharing in meals, including the Lord's Supper and to prayer. And a deep sense of awe came over them all. And the apostles performed many miraculous signs and wonders. And all the believers met together in one place and shared everything they had. They sold their property and possessions and shared the money with those in need. They worshiped together at the temple each day, met in homes for the Lord's Supper, shared their meals with great joy and generosity, all the while praising God, enjoying the goodwill of all the people. And each day the Lord added to their fellowship those who were being saved. That's the kingdom of God dream and vision that we have for Journey Church right here in Bozeman, Montana, some 2,000 years plus after Acts chapter 2 was written. And our expression of everything we see in Acts 2 gets fleshed out like this. You'll recognize these words. Gather. We think that the Acts 2 church gathers and we think we ought to keep right on gathering on Sundays like this as well as all week long together in smaller groups with friends and so. We see the Acts chapter 2 doing what we call dig. They were digging, which simply means that they were perpetually working on their relationship, working on deepening their relationship with God. And all of us as followers of Jesus Christ, that's our responsibility. None of us have ever arrived in a place of going like, I've got all of this together. No, we haven't. And so we dig, we deepen our relationship with God always and forever. And then we see the Acts chapter 2 church going in major ways 
they were going. And so we say, Journey, we'd better be going like the Acts 2 church was going. Whether it's through a missional community, a go event, or just simply as you're going about your day, you're asking the Lord, you're waking up in the morning and you're asking the Lord, God, would you give me opportunities to display and declare the good news of the gospel of Jesus Christ today? We're going. And then we see the Acts chapter 2 church, we see them serving, significantly serving. We see them putting serving towels over their arms and we think we ought to do just the same joining a Journey Church ministry team on Sunday as we gather or in another role at another time in another space. Gather, dig, go, serve. We see the first church doing it. It's what we think the Lord is asking us to do as we seek to become a 21st century expression of the Acts 2 church community. We think this strategy actually is so important that we've started to build Journey's budget around those four actions. Gather, dig, go, and serve. Now, we're not going to take a lot of time today to talk through Journey's budget in detail, but we have put together for you a very informative handout that's available at the info desk in the lobby. It shows how we're planning to use God's resources that you give to Him via Journey Church in this fiscal year that started on September 1st. And I'd invite you to take one of those on your way out today. We'll be talking more about that together in the weeks ahead. Now, in the next 12 to 24 months or so, we're all going to be continually invited and challenged to give particular attention to those things, yes, as well as the following. Things like amping up significant kingdom of God opportunities, in particular, this is on your handout, around base camp. Because that's so much more than just 75 minutes on Sunday, but rather it is a connection to serve one of the most cherished values in the Gallatin Valley community. It was July, wasn't it, that our hospital here in town saw its greatest baby boom on record. The Gallatin Valley community is passionate about kids or making them, I guess you might say. We care about kids. And we think our investment in base camp looks like a couple of things. First of all, we think we need to put our very best foot forward on Sundays in our base camp classes. We feel strongly that we need to increase that serving team to an average of 45 volunteers per Sunday. Now understand, that's a 50% increase over where we are today. And I know not everyone likes kids. I know some of you are like, oh my gosh, I'll do anything, but please don't ask me. But maybe you should invest in base camp because there's more than just kid opportunities to be involved with there. And I was thinking about this. The Lord gave me this uh, thought. You know, we say a lot of times that it's really hard to start conversations about God with people, right? We're like, oh, it's awkward. I don't know what to say. What if you thought about this? What if you practiced starting God conversations in our base camp ministry? And if you signed up for base camp, Chris and her team are going to train you. They're going to equip you. They're going to give you the tools that you need to share God with little kids. And I'm here to tell you, if you can share God with little kids, you can share God with anybody, if you can get a kid to listen to you talk about God, then you can share God with anybody. And what if you started to flex your God-sharing muscles right over there in base camp? Journey, there's not a better investment you could make in the kingdom of God than that right over there. And so we're going to pour gas on that fire. We also think that we should develop for the Gallatin Valley community. Now, understand we're not just going to go do this tomorrow. Okay? We also think we should develop what we call an adventure playground, and this is in the heart of the base camp team, Chris Stuckey in particular, an adventure playground. She's a fantastic kids pastor. Her creativity knows no bounds. 
And what would it look like for us to develop that kind of space for the Gallatin Valley community? Imagine how we could engage our town, our valley with something like that. Here's one that's quite unsettling to us. It should be for all of us, actually. It's the number of kids in our community who don't eat on the weekends in particular. Think about that. The number of kids in our community who don't eat on the weekends. And there's a couple of fantastic organizations in town and in our valley. I had a gal come up to me after the nine o'clock and she said, you know what, Brian? I send 50 bags home in a relatively small community in our valley every single Friday. And it feeds those kids and it feeds those families. 50 in one relatively small, that's not Bozeman, by the way. And so one thing we're going to work on is leveraging fun after five to help feed hungry kids and families. It's that gathering, that food, fun, and connection time after the five o'clock Sunday worship gathering. And let's use that together as a church to help feed kids and families who are hungry. And then you want to amp up the kingdom of God opportunity of missional communities. And I know, I know this is a sore spot for some. Because a few years ago, when I first started talking to you about these, you got all excited about them. You couldn't wait to get into one. And now today, some years later, you're still not in one and you're kind of ticked off about that. Again, all I can say is I'm very sorry. I'm very, very sorry that that's the case. I really am. And I want to take you back to something I said back then. I want to take you to something that we've said along the way various times. And I'm going to say it again us developing missional communities is a crock pot. Remember this? A crock pot process. It is not a microwave process. This isn't about just slapping together groups of people via sign-up sheets out in the lobby. I know some people have thought that. Why don't you, don't, don't you just put sign-up sheets out in the lobby and people can just... Well, it's not like that, see. Because disciples of Jesus Christ, they're made. They're not just born, and living as a disciple of Jesus Christ who makes disciples, who makes disciples, who shows others what it looks like to go live on the mission of Christ in our community every day, all day, displaying, displaying and declaring the gospel of Jesus Christ. It isn't just something you pop into the microwave and ding, it's done. Not, not even close. And so much has been happening in our missional community movement. Amazing, beautiful, redemptive stuff has been unfolding, and we're just going to keep pouring more gas on those fires. We think that amping missional communities up looks like, watch this, doubling the number of groups we have now. Right now we have about 11 or so groups, and we want to take that to 20 or so groups over the course of the next 12 months. That means there's about 200 people involved in those 11 or so groups now, and we want to double that all the way to 400 over the course of the next year. That means that lots and lots of you are going to get invited into a missional community in the next 12 months, and would you just please say yes? Just give it a whirl. Give it a try. See what God might have for you in all of that. The next thing we think that God's asking us to do in the next season is renew our commitment to church planting and church multiplication. You know, Journey Church was planted out of Harvest Church in the heights of Billings. Harvest Church was planted out of Faith Evangelical Church on the west end of Billings. A few years ago in the life of Journey, Journey and Harvest teamed up and planted Narrate Church in Helena, which is, by the way, going great guns to this very day. They're doing fantastic work in Helena. If you're ever there, you ought to stop in on a Sunday morning. 
And we'd like to get back to our heart of church planting and church multiplication. And we're not putting this in stone, but we're just saying, what if God would have us plant an East Bozeman campus? What if God would have us plant an East Bozeman campus, a ministry outpost? where on Sunday people would gather for worship and then the other six days of the week, think of the ministry outpost that we could have there, the impact that we could have in our community. That's in our hearts. We also think that we should be working on expanding our ability to meet the needs of the community through the Commons campus. About 18 months or so ago, we spent some time, some teams around Journey spent some time with an organization that helped us formulate a master plan of the commons, and we're not necessarily going to build everything that you're going to see on here, but we were thinking ahead, thinking ahead to phase two, perhaps a base camp remodel that would better facilitate the ministry that needs to happen there, a base camp remodel that would allow us to serve needs in the community and in journey. We think the adventure playground kind of fits into all of that work, and we think we need to be thinking about that. Because if we want that kind of thing to happen, even a few years from now, we got to start talking and working and thinking and praying about it today. We also think, Journey, that we ought to be re-engaging our community via strategic partnerships. You know, Journey Church was born with the heart of serving the community in which we're located. That was how we started. We said, we're going to serve the community and serve the community and serve the community. And over time, we've drifted a bit from that vision and from that mission. I take a lot of responsibility for that. I'm sorry for that. And it's time for us to get back to that. Asking the question, what does it look like for us to bless the world around us? Investing in a few strategic community partnerships. One of them that we could take up right now, and God might just nudge you, bam, right now, is that there's a huge need for what we call CAP mentors in our community. This great organization, called, maybe some of you already are a CAP mentor. There's a fantastic organization that serves kids. It's like a tutoring thing, an hour a week. It's an hour a week where you go into a school, they match you with a student, and you pour into them, helping them learn to read, helping them do homework, helping them get better at school. We'd love to see 25 cat mentors raise up out of journey like that fast, and they'll train you, and they'll send you out, and it's an hour a week. It's an hour a week. How many of us could do that? We also think we should deploy a team of about 25 to help carry the fun after five burden with a particular focus on feeding hungry kids in our community, hungry families in our community. You might think right now, like, oh, I, I could do that. I could help feed hungry kids. I could help feed hungry families. I could help provide a connection opportunity for people in the life of journey. Maybe those are for you. We're going to invite and we're going to challenge you to lean into all those initiatives with us in this next season. Some of them are shorter term, some of them are longer term, and in the very near future, you're going to see some invitation to three meeting task force groups around each one of those initiatives that I've just talked about. And maybe you know already, like, I, I want to be a part of that one, or I want to be a part of that one, or I want to be a part of a couple of those. Then I hope you'll take us up on the invitation to show up at those three meeting task force groups, weigh in, be heard, give input, as we all collectively take these things up with the Lord. We're going to wrap things up, and as we do, Journey, I just want to say that if ever there was a time for the church of Jesus Christ to be at our very best, it's right now. If ever there was a time for us to be passionately intentional about reaching people who don't yet know Christ, it's now. If ever there was a time for us to be wholly committed to our own spiritual growth and development, it's now. 
If ever there was a time for us to be intensely focused on making disciples who make disciples who make disciples who live on the mission of Jesus Christ, it's now. If ever there was a time for us to be putting serving towels over our arms, regularly serving those on the margins of society, it's now. If ever there was a time for us to be hypersensitive and hypervigilant to hearing the voice of God and doing just what he's asking us to walk out and do, it is now. It's now. Because in a day when the news reports are dominated by terrible, tragic news, stuff like what happened last week at the community college in Southern Oregon, stuff like we read about and watch on TV day in and day out, more war, more violence, more people being driven from their homes, families being driven from their homes. At a point in time in history when the United States of America could not be any more divided than we are today. At a point in time in the United States history when the value of human life has been so greatly degraded. Church, if there was ever a time for us to be the 21st century expression of the Acts chapter 2 church, it's right now. It's now. It's not when I get to it. It wasn't yesterday. It's now because here's what's true. You and I, the church of Jesus Christ, we're God's plan A for the hope and future of this world and the people who live in it. And that's because the power of the love of Jesus Christ has been entrusted. You get that? Entrusted to us, entrusted to the church. And so often we just sit idly by hoping and praying that someone somewhere has the answers to all of the messes that we're watching unfold. And I'm here today to tell you that they, whoever that they are, they don't. They don't. Electing new leaders will not solve them. New economic opportunities will not solve them. Better education will not solve them. Not even the latest self-help fad will solve it. What will solve it, though, is the power of the love of Jesus Christ that's been entrusted to you and me. As we demonstrate it, as we live it, as we walk it out as the church of Jesus Christ, you and I, that's where the power to transform the human heart comes from. Only Jesus Christ can conquer sin and wipe away shame and heal wounds and reconcile enemies and patch broken dreams. And ultimately, it's only the love of Jesus Christ that can change the world one heart and one life at a time. It's now, church. You and me, filled with the power of the love of Jesus Christ, living our lives in such a way that we spill goodness and peace and love and joy and the good news of the gospel of Jesus Christ out into this sorry old world. And by so doing, church, we can turn the tide of history. We can. Because we're God's plan A. It's us. And if it's not us, church, then I'm telling you, it's lights out. It's us. We're it. And so let's keep it up. And could I just get you to say like, amen, we're going to get about it. Like, amen, we're going to get about it and we're going to keep being about it until Jesus comes back. Amen? Amen. Amen. Take your stuff and set it aside if you would. And I just invite you to close your eyes and bow your heads.
And Jesus, we just say to you today, thank you so much for everything you've done across the life of journey over these 10 years. We're stunned and we're amazed and we're in awe of you. It's all you. And we ask God that you would keep it up and that you would trust us, continue to trust us and continue to move in ways that just surprises us. Those God-sized surprises, please. And God, as we look together across our world and we see brokenness and pain and hurt, wreckage all over the place, we ask that instead of like withdrawing and curling up into a little ball and saying, I have no idea what we should do, that we would actually take those opportunities to be deployed, to be moved out to be your agents, your hands, your feet, bringing your love and your hope and your redemption and every opportunity that we have, that we'd be that kind of follower of yours, not just half committed or 75% committed, even 99% committed, Jesus. You say, you know, there's more. And so, Jesus, we want to be 100% committed followers of yours absolutely sold out to you for your kingdom because Jesus that's why we're here we're not just biding time until all this winds up and we get to go to heaven no way this is about us partnering with you and taking as many people as we possibly can with us to heaven Help us do just that, please, Jesus.